0: anywhere all right you're dismissed that was worth that was, that was worth you coming just for that that was awesome man you know there's so many things that happen in the course of a week in the life of the church not just ours but just in the life of the capital c church that ministry is happening all around the world there's stories in dallas like that there's stories right here in our body like that, of what God's doing, there's people in Ethiopia right now that because of your generosity are doing the same thing and at Make Your Mark and you support them. And so whether you ever set foot in Ethiopia or Dallas or wherever, uh, your, your generosity is going around the world and around the country. But isn't it awesome to think about what God wants to do right here? That where you do set foot, that God is on the move, that God is... Moving, I mean, it, it, you don't have to go any farther than Luke chapter 4, right? When I think about the things that Jesus came to earth for, right? What did he say? His mission statement was as he stepped foot right out of heaven onto earth. Like, what was he doing? Here's what he said. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives. It's regeneration. That's what that is. It's freedom in Christ. Recovery of sight to the blind to set free the oppressed, which is all of us, right? To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. It's a phrase that maybe has been hijacked, but it's real. That in Christ there's freedom. And... uh that's what we want to be about. Amen? That's what the church is all about. And so as we close out this this short series in Acts, and we'll be in Acts chapter 6 if you want to take your Bible and meet me there. There's some notes in your worship guide. Lots of grace for Eli on the computer today. We're going to be all over the place. And uh, I'm not sure I even got it in the right order for him. So, uh, But he's usually better at it than I am. So we're, we're going to be all right. But um, last week, this, this sermon today is going to build off of last week. So if you missed last week, find it on the website or find it on the podcast. If you have an Apple device, uh, it's real easy. If you have an Android device, it's in there somewhere. It's extremely difficult to find podcasts, but they're inferior anyway. So whatever, you know, you pray about that. But um, last week we talked about this phrase at the end of Acts chapter 5, in the middle of Acts chapter 5. Where an angel comes and tells Peter and John to go and talk about this life. What is the life we're to be about as believers? That's what we talked about last week. And the abundant life that Jesus promised with his words and paid for with his life. What is that abundant life? We determined from John 14 and from Acts 5 that it's a life that bears much fruit. Right? That's what Jesus said. I came that you would have much fruit. And our conclusion in all of that was that we actually find the full life we're searching for in this counterintuitive truth in the gospel that when we make a difference in other people's lives, we actually end up fulfilled in our own. Right? It's... Caught in Jesus' statement that if you'll lay down your life, you will find it. And that's where we landed, that a life fully satisfied in Jesus is able to then be the hands and feet of Jesus. Because in reality, we we need Jesus, right? That that's what this testimony was just about that, you know, regardless of where you're at, you need Christ. It's all of us. You never outgrow the gospel. Right? Paul even says, it's for freedom that Christ set you free. He says, walk as you first believed. We never outgrow our need for Christ. Because in reality, to to live that abundant life, we cannot give to others what we do not possess ourselves. can't do it. And when this is who we become as the church, then we'll see the church grow, but grow in a God-glorifying way. And that's where we come back to Acts, and that's where we come back to Acts chapter 6, and specifically we'll stay in the first seven verses of it. And what we see immediately in the text, right there in verse 1, and it continues to happen over and over as we read through Acts, is this idea, right there in Acts 6.1, it says the disciples were what? Increasing in number. The Bible never shies away from the fact that healthy things grow. And the church, when it is healthy, doing what Jesus has called it to do, it will grow. So what does a healthy body look like? we get a small snapshot of what a new and growing church looks like. Right here in Acts chapter 6. And and you might be tempted to just read through it and skip past it and get to the more exciting stuff in chapter 7. But I think in these first seven verses, we're given a picture of what the everyday, ordinary life of a healthy church looks like. What... Every member ought to be about. What every church ought to be about. There there are some, what I will call, big rocks in the jar that all of us have to be aware of. And then as you launch out into ministry, because it's not just about what Pastor Carl does or I do or what our staff members do. It's not about that. The scripture tells us to equip you to do ministry. So what is... What does that look like? Let's just read the first seven verses of Acts 6 and then we'll... I got two lists for you if you're a note taker. If you're a list, if you're type A, today's your day. You get excited about that. Two lists. All right, and here we go. So in those days, as the disciples were increasing in number, there arose a complaint by the Hellenistic Jews against the Hebraic Jews that their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution. The twelve summoned the whole company of the disciples and said, so they bring the whole church together, right? There's a little complaint. Man, they bring the whole church. So the next time you send me an email, we're going to gather the whole church. <laughs> is that not what that verse is about? I'm sorry. Let's keep reading. I lost my spot. There we are. That's what I get. Verse 2. The twelve summoned the whole company of the disciples and said it would be it would not be right for us to give up preaching the Word of God to wait on tables. That sounds insensitive, doesn't it? But it's not, because I want you to stay with, the, stay with the flow of what's happening in the life of this church. It would not be right for us to give up preaching the Word of God to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Spirit and wisdom whom we can appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole company. So they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. And Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, moms, you soon to be moms, I think there's like 45 of you pregnant. Some names here for you. Parmesan cheese, I mean Parmenaeus. I'm going to stop. And Nicholas, a convert from Antioch, they had them stand before the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. Verse 7, here it is again. So the word of God spread. The disciples in Jerusalem increased greatly in number. And a large group of priests even became obedient to the faith. Seems simple enough, right? But there's a lot here for us to consider as we think about what it means to be a church in Tampa. What it means to be a young church in Tampa. And, and I want to do it in two sections. The, the first section, this, every church. So that's the first blank in your notes. Every church. There's four things that I think this text shows us that every church ought to be about. Every single church. And the first one comes at us in bookends in the text, in the beginning and in verse seven. And it's this this idea that every church should celebrate gospel centered growth. There is a growth that ought to be celebrated. Otherwise, the book of Acts would not continually tell us that this church was growing. But it's interesting, isn't it, that it doesn't just say that attendance was growing. It says that what was growing? Disciples, right? That the church itself is made up of disciples. And so as the church grows, what ought to grow is disciples, right? So we celebrate gospel-centered growth repeatedly. And, And honestly, if you're not a Christian today, Like, we want you to know that we want tons of people to come to Jesus. We want every church that's authentically following Jesus, we want that church to explode in numbers. That all of Tampa would be blanketed in the gospel. We want you to know that. We want this place to grow, but maybe not for the reasons you've come to expect from the church. We want it to grow because we know and we have tasted that there is freedom in Jesus. And that in this community of believers, you can find love. Love doesn't always mean that you should stay where you are, but it means you'll be accepted where you are and we'll point you to Jesus who can take you where he wants you to be. We celebrate gospel centered growth. The second thing, every church should expect problems. I didn't get a lot of amens on that. (laughs) Every church should expect problems. Having problems isn't the problem, right? Ignoring the problems created would be the problem, right? Because as long as there's a devil, and as long as there's opposition to the church... We can expect problems. And as long as Carl and I are in charge, you can definitely expect problems. But what was Jesus talking about when he said bearing fruit? Right? He talked about a lot in those passages in the Gospel of John. Right? He said that as you're bearing fruit, there's branches that have to be pruned. Cutting stuff off, that's never comfortable. Right? You ever bit into an apple that looked good and didn't taste good? Just did it on Thursday. It was gross. It scarred me. <laughs> it's just like so beautiful and sweet, and then you bite it and it's nasty and mushy. Right? Like like this whole idea of farming and fruit and and pruning. Like this is work. That 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 beautiful tree that emerges that. Wonderful fruit that emerges takes a lot of tending to the tree. And who's the tree? What does scripture say? Abide in what? Me. Who said that? Jesus. Because apart from me you can do nothing, John fifteen five. So we should expect problems. And number three, how do we address those problems? Every church should protect the main thing and address the rest in love. That's what the text is saying, that that while protecting the main thing, right, why would the why would the apostles say it, it wouldn't be right for us to neglect the word, to walk away from the preaching and teaching and prayer? It's, it's because without the gospel, without the word and prayer central, you don't have a biblical church. You don't need my four things this week to help you have a better week. Man, I don't even get the four things right. So that would make me a hypocrite. (coughs) What, what, What is Jesus saying? That if you will abide in Him, that if you will go back to Him, if you will commit yourself to a church that is committed to this book and to the God who wrote this book, that you actually can bear much fruit in your life. That you actually could get to a place in the community of believers, in city groups and in growth track and in all these places that we're helping you to go out into the community, not just huddle up here, but to get out into the community to your neighbors, to your coworkers, to the people you see on Friday night, to the people you see at Foundation, to the people you see at Armature Works, that you would make a palpable difference in this city. And if we all do it, people will notice and the church will grow. Not because we do anything awesome, but because in the everyday ordinary acts of our life we're on mission for Jesus that's what it looks like so we protect the main thing the word of God and prayer we create space for that you create space for Carl and I to focus on that and lead in that way but without the gospel we don't have a biblical church the truth matters matters but once you have the truth, and this is where so many times it falls short, right? What does Scripture say? That once you have the truth, you have a responsibility to act on that truth, don't we? That when grace goes in, grace comes out. When love goes in, love goes out. Right? It's, it's all over the Bible, starting in the Old Testament. Micah 6, 8, the Bible says, this is what you ought to do. You ought to love justice, Right? Act justly. Love faithfulness. Some of your translations say love mercy. And all of them say to walk humbly with your God. Why do a regen ministry? Why reach out to the least of these as our culture would call them? That's what it looks like to walk humbly with God. To love mercy, love faithfulness, to act justly. We care about the things that are going on in the world. That, that all these things that our world looks at and can't figure out how to bridge the gap, the church is able to bridge the gap because of the blood of Jesus. Having the truth requires us to act on the truth, right? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. I mean, we all love that verse. For it's by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not of your own doing, but it's a gift of God so that no one can boast. Right? Like, We get that. But what about verse 10? You were created in Christ Jesus to what? For good works. Right? That because I've been saved by grace, I can with reckless abandon serve you and not be concerned for my own needs because Jesus will take care of those so I can take care of yours. And God prepared all of that for us to do ahead of time. It's ready to go. right? He told his close friends 12 he said if you'll just lift up your eyes right if you'll stop looking on you and lift up your eyes right it's this counterintuitive truth that if if i stop looking at me and i start looking at you i can actually find the life that i'm looking for protect the main thing but we must address the rest in love and that's where we are called as pastors to empower you to do ministry to make a difference Right? I love in 1 Corinthians 9 where Paul says, you know, I'm, I'm going to become all things to all people in order that I might win some. Right? It's not suggesting that we throw out the truth. But that in bringing the truth, we we meet people where they are. That That we recognize that they are in need of being set free from something. And that we go there. Right? And and that excellence matters, that, that we would earn the right to be in front of people. There's an old book, that used to say it this way, every member a minister, right? That, that, that's what we're after. I think about Nehemiah rebuilding the wall, right? And he's encouraging these people to have a trowel in one hand and a sword in the other. Right? Like, I'm like making a wall and chopping people's heads off. Like, whoosh, 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 whoosh. Right? Like, getting my out in. Right, but but why? Because there was stuff to do. There was opposition being faced. They were working. Maybe an even better example is is with Moses in Exodus 18. Right, when his father-in-law Jethro comes, and Moses is showing him around. This is a great. You should read this text in Exodus 18 when you have time this week. But Moses has his father-in-law come visit. And he's showing him around and showing them everything that God's doing. And the text says that Jethro just praises God. Like, look at all the stuff God's doing. I mean, it was it was an amazing time. But then Jephthah looks at Moses and goes, this is incredible what God's doing, but imagine if you didn't do it all, like what God could do. He says, you need to pick some people and empower them to do the work of God. And as they do that, then things go even farther you know Mallory mentioned growth track doing the third step live like I would encourage you today get get signed up at InfoCentral. go through that it, it, it's just a quick attempt to help you grasp what God's called you to do both here in the body but also in your community in in the places where you play in the places where you work and Where your kids go to school. And all those places that you interact. It's not just what we do on Sunday. That is definitely part of it. The Bible commands us to love and serve each other. That is part of it. But it also tells you to go and make disciples. And so when we leave one part of that out. We're we're not fully functioning as the body of Christ. So we need both. And remember... A minister. But that's on October 13th. You can sign up for it today. It's, got, it's, going to be, it's going to be great. Number four. Every church should see those growth and problems as opportunities. Opportunities. Not just things that we see or hear about or complain about. But that we grab onto as opportunities for the gospel to go forward. So that's every church. I think the text lays out that for every single church that we see these things, right? And that we act on them. But then what about every church member? What about you and I? What, what's our individual role in that as the church is doing these things in Acts chapter 6? What's what's our role in that? Don't you love the descriptions of what they were looking for and what they found in Stephen? You know, Stephen wasn't some... some uh, incredible leader. In fact, it sounds like he wasn't doing anything at the time. But there were a few things that marked his life that when the church looked at him, they were able to say, we need guys like you. And apparently there was a whole list of other people ready to roll. Right? Isn't it true that most of the time it's those of us up here studying the word, spending time in prayer, are like, oh, there's there's stuff happening all over and you know, it'd be nice if you'd like appoint somebody to do that, right? Like, uh, you yeah, know, we're, we're seeing that, right? Just just like this first church did, right? There's so much to do that these guys can't do it, so they say, who who can do it? And that's what growth track is all about. It's saying, which which one of you are gifted here and gifted here, and how can we help you serve there? How can we help you go and serve out there, right? But there's... Four things that we see from every church member. That's the second heading. Every church member. Right, number one, what does this text say? It says, full of the Spirit. Right, verse three. Choose from among you seven men of good reputation. What What does a good reputation look like? Full of the Spirit and wisdom. Galatians 5.25, you know. What, is, what does it look like to... Live by the Spirit. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Being attentive to the work of God in your life. Acts 17, if you just go a little bit farther in the book, in verse uh, 27, says, He did this so that they might seek God and perhaps they might reach out and find Him, though He is not far from each one of us, and look at this verse 28, for in Him, in the Spirit of God, in Jesus Christ, in Him we live and move and have our being. What would work tomorrow look like if you were in Him living and moving and finding your being? Would not our goal at work look different? If we were just Filled with and led by the Spirit of God? Would not dropping your kids off at school look different if we were in Him? Some of you are involved in politics. What would it look like if you were in Him living and moving and finding your being? And you apply that to your own life wherever you are, right? As even some of your own poets have said, For we also are His offering, since we are God's offspring. We shouldn't think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone imagine, or an image fashioned by human heart and imagination. Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God now commands all people everywhere to repent. So often we look at repentance as this really negative thing, but sometimes it's just the doorway back into the presence of God and say, Holy Spirit, I have, I've been doing some other thing for six months, a year, ten years. 50 years. There's some other thing, but aren't you glad that if you're not dead, God's not done, right? Like, you can repent in this moment and live and move in the Spirit of God. It's amazing. Every church member full of the Spirit. We want you to walk and step with the Spirit of God. That's, That's where we want you to be. Every church member, number two, full of faith. Full of faith. Right, It says that they're looking for these people with, that are filled with the Spirit and wisdom. And what does it say when they found Stephen in this other list of guys in verse number 5? It says they chose Stephen, a man what? Full of faith and the Holy Spirit. I love that. Full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 describes for us what faith is. Hebrews 11 1. It says, now faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. Why is that so important? Verse 6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Why is that? Because it's not about what you or I can do. It's not about what we bring to the table. It's about what God is doing in the world and in and through us. Full of faith. Number three. Full of wisdom. Right? That was the other thing that was said about these people. I love this in Colossians chapter 2, verse 3. When you think about wisdom, what is wisdom? It says, In him, Jesus, are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I think sometimes we get scared by wisdom and you're like, Man, i got to memorize Proverbs. <laughs> You should read Proverbs and it would be great to memorize it. But where does wisdom begin? With Jesus. Right? It it constantly goes back to Jesus. Right? That's why the Bible says fix your eyes on Jesus. Because he's the author and the finisher of your faith. If you just stay in Jesus, you're going to be fine. (laughs) Because that relationship is where you will begin to bear much fruit. Full of the Spirit, full of faith, full of wisdom, all because you're in Jesus. And number four, the result of all of that, being with Jesus, is making a difference in the lives of others. That's the last blank. Because what does verse seven say? Isn't it so weird that there's somebody complains? <laughs> That there's favoritism. Somebody complains about that. The disciples, they they don't freak out. They're like, oh yeah, there's a problem here. And they empower some people to take care of the problem. And they get back to the word and prayer. And wouldn't you know it that functioning in that healthy way, what is the result in verse 7? The word of God spread. Not just attenders but disciples, right? That the disciples in Jerusalem increased greatly in number. That that as they got busy about doing the daily things that God had called them to do, disciples began to increase. Don't you just love it? Not just a little bit. They, they increased greatly. Just think about it. If the 75 of us or so would get about Making disciples. What's the domino effect of that? 75, make a disciple. Boom. Who's good at math? 75 plus 75? 150. Boom. You're twice the size. But but why is that good? Because then those 150 say, okay, I need to make another disciple. And then what happens? 300. Ben's on fire up here with the math, right? Why, why did the word of God spread and the church explode? Because it was never about numbers. It's never about numbers, except for the fact that every number has a face and a story. The numbers only matter because they're people. How many fill this room doesn't matter. But how many come under the name of Jesus matters a lot. And we're called as the church in Tampa. What we see is a church body in Tampa, wherever you are, making a difference in the lives of others, simply because we see them adopted and transformed by God's grace into sons and daughters of the King. It's why we sing what we sing. That he would take your orphan heart and make you alive. The only thing holding us back is us. It's not Jesus. <laughs> He's ready. He's always ready. And by the way, He, he knows what's going to happen. It's why you don't have to worry. It's it's the singular reason why He says you be anxious for nothing, because He knows. We cannot hold back in fear. We cannot be afraid to tell somebody about the thing that makes the only difference for eternity. And guess what? It's going to make a difference in there now. We cannot wait for some other church to do what God has invited us to do. We must do church. We have to go and be the church not just come and experience the church. You actually are the church. We're to bridge these gaps that our world cannot bridge. Right? When Jesus said, I have come to set people free. When we look at that list, when we move with wisdom full of faith in God, walking in step with the Spirit in the daily rhythms of our lives, we will make a difference. We will bear, as Jesus said, much fruit. Amen? The question is, will we do it? Will we do it one life at a time? Will you write down in your phone or on a piece of paper or on the palm of your hand, somewhere maybe on your foreheads you see in the mirror don't do that wherever it is will you write down that one life that you know God is calling and be the conduit through which he works to bring them into his family will you do it how do you do it I think there's three values that allow you to do it draw near to the broken where is there brokenness in your life where is there brokenness at your workplace? Where is there brokenness in your family? Man, some of this stuff is hard. But there's brokenness all around you. Draw near to it. That's what Jesus said. I've come. And what do you say? Where the captives are. Where the oppressed people are. Where? Draw near to the broken. But also, where can you celebrate what's good? Where's the good? Right? How, how, do we, how do we help people lift their eyes out of the brokenness and see the goodness of God? And then we step in and we participate in their future. We participate in their future. What does it look like for us together, with my arm around you, to lift your eyes up, to see the goodness of God and walk towards a better future? And allow them to see the transformation that God can do in their life. You, know, you want to live an exhilarating life? You start doing that with people. You want to live an abundant life? You start watching people walk from death to life. Listen, the church in the Book of Revelation, Scripture says they were they were doing everything right, but they had lost their first love. What does that mean? It means that you can have a fully functioning church body. But lose your love to watch people walk from death to life. And you've lost your love. It's why scripture says you can, you can have everything right. Your truth can be pinpoint accurate. But if you don't have love, you're just a noisy symbol. So what is our prayer for this body as we move forward? That we would be about the things that Jesus is about. We want to see this church grow. We're not going to apologize for that. Because scripture repeatedly talks about the church increasing in numbers. Greatly increasing in numbers. But not just numbers. Disciples. Right, And so I want to pray for you right now that you would be a disciple who makes disciples. Because every single one of us has people in our life that God has put there for us to reach for Him. And by the way, some of them are going to say no. Just newsflash. But you know what's going to surprise you? Some of them are going to say yes. And there's going to be people sitting near you in church in a month that you never thought would sit near you in church. But you have to choose to be a part of it. God's inviting you in to be a part of what He's doing in the world. And He's going to do it whether we say yes or not. That's not the point. The point is we get to. And He's inviting us into it.